0: You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. Jeremiah chapter 15 verses 10 through 21. I want to preach to you this morning a message that I've entitled Misunderstanding Your Assignment. Misunderstanding Your Assignment. My worst grade in seminary was ethics. (laughs) That should make you feel good if you're a visitor here at Mount Carmel Evans Church, out not it? I misunderstood my assignment on my final essay exam. The assignment was easy. It was to pick one set from three sets of questions and write on that set. I picked one question from one of the three questions in a set. I met the required number of pages for the outline, but I had only completed literally one-third of the assignment. Misunderstanding my assignment changed my expectations of my outcome. I expected to receive an A. I mean, I hate to think that on a preacher's transcript, his lowest grade is ethics. Nevertheless, with some grace from my professor, thank you, doctor, he gave me a C on the final exam, and my final grade was a B. So, hopefully, that may help you. (laughs) Okay. We can misunderstand God's assignment for our lives, misunderstanding our assignment misleads us to wrong expectations about our lives. It can lead to soul-crushing confusion when things don't go our way. And ultimately, it can lead us to false conclusions about God Himself. King Jesus, God's only begotten and beloved Son, has given every single one of us who call Him our Savior and Lord one assignment. If you, if you go, I don't know my purpose in life. Your first purpose is to repent of your sins and trust Christ as your Savior. And once you've done that, there's a standing order that King Jesus has given to all his disciples. And you need to write this down in case you don't have the reference. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection... He draws near to his disciples, he comes to them, and he says this. He demonstrates, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So if you're wondering whether he has the right to do this, he establishes it. I'm going to tell you what to do with your life. He says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father... And of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and remember listen church remember i am with you always to the end of the age till he comes back we're supposed to change the world we're the salt We're the light, as Jesus put it in His Sermon on the Mount. But sometimes it feels like we're not making the slightest bit of difference at all. In fact, some of you may have come in this morning and you feel like the world is becoming more corrupt and holds Christians in more contempt than ever before. Has God misled us? Or... Have we misunderstood our assignment? In the book of Jeremiah, God called Jeremiah as his prophet to deliver his message. And here was his message. It was not a popular message. God's judgment and wrath was coming upon his people for for their disobedience to his commands. They were involved in disobedience like adultery and idolatry, extorting the poor and the immigrant, and killing the innocent, including infants. On top of that, God's people were unrepentant of this disobedience and their sins. They had a determined attitude to reject God. And so in God's perfect wisdom, he had decided that they were to be conquered by their enemies and carried off into exile for an awfully long time until they learned again what it meant to be his people. This was the task that God gave Jeremiah to go and share this message of warning, of doom and gloom over the people of Israel and Judah. And maybe... Because God was raising up a prophet. Jeremiah may have thought with my ministry, with my preaching, there might be hope. There might be help for these people. Surely with God, Jeremiah could turn things around. He was optimistic in Jeremiah chapter 1. But Jeremiah misunderstood some things question I want us to explore is what happens when we misunderstand our assignment. Let's look at verse 10 in Jeremiah chapter 15. This is after some bad things have happened to Jeremiah, and I'll give you a better understanding of that in just a moment. But he says this, woe is me. This just simple phrase, he's actually saying, God, judge me. I'm tired of this. Take me out. Look at what he goes on to say. Woe is me, my mother, that she gave birth to me. And he's in reference to himself. A man, I'm a man who incites dispute and conflict in all the land. And then I love, he throws in some humor. I did not lend or borrow, yet everyone curses me. Now here's what's going on. Jeremiah, his message has been disbelieved from day one. The people of Israel and Judah do not believe Jeremiah is a true prophet from God. So they have ignored him. And once they've ignored him, they've isolated him. And after isolating him, they insulted him. And he has actually been beaten now several times because of his prophetic stance. And this went on for year after year from Jeremiah chapter 1 all the way to Jeremiah 15 until eventually this persecution, the ignoring, the insulting, the injuries, they finally ate at his soul. He's overcome by despair and he finally wishes, he finally calls out what's deep in his soul God, I wish I had never been born. To do this task. Now for those who remember. We preached on this many, many months ago. I want you to hear. How God called the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. You may just want to write that note down. Jeremiah 1 5. Listen to what God said. When he called the prophet Jeremiah. To this daunting task. He says. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart or reserved you before you were born. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Please catch what's happening in Jeremiah's mind. He's not just decrying how bad his life is. Please see this, that from conception or technically before his conception, God had already set in motion that Jeremiah would be his prophet. When he says, I wish I had never been born, he is ultimately rejecting what? god's call on his life he says i know when you called me you called me all the way back from the foundation of the world and i wish that never even happened remember from the foundation of the world god has reserved us for a lifelong appointment i mentioned to you already we have two appointments we're destined for two things you're supposed to Repent of your sin, despise your sin. We're all sinners. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And our only hope and help is the blood of Jesus Christ, His death for our sins, and then His subsequent resurrection as proof. And trusting and believing that Jesus loves us. That's the first appointment for every person. But then that second appointment is this. as We spend the entirety of our lives to go and share that good news with everyone. That's our destiny, but listen to this that sounds beautiful and that sounds glorious but sometimes even those two things are things we don't want to hear or things we don't even want to be involved in in our lives when we misunderstand that assignment it can easily turn our appointment into a disappointment and here's what we're tempted to do when things don't go our way number one write it down is this we Give up. We give up. We say, what is the use? What is the use in dedicating ourselves to this gospel mission when the world just seems to be getting worse and worse and they hold us as Christians in more and more contempt? Can I relieve some of your anxiety for a moment? It is normal. ...for Christians to want to quit at times. It is normal for Christians to want to quit at times. In fact, I'll go this far. If you haven't considered quitting, I don't know if you're a Christian. Because we just talk about sermons like we talked about last week. If God is for us, who can be against us? But notice still the litany of problems that the Apostle Paul had went through... ...in his walk with the Lord... Let's look at verses 11 through 14, and these verses are debated in their translation, and I'll do my best to help show you God's response. So think of this, Jeremiah kind of raises his fist to God and says, Just kill me. I'm done. I give up. And listen to what the Lord says. Verse 11, the Lord said, Haven't I set you loose for your good? Let's just pause right there. He says, Hey man, hey. <laughs> Let's recalibrate for just a moment, right? I've not kept you in bondage, all right? He says, I've got good intentions towards you. Isn't it good sometimes just to remember God's promises? I have good things in store. Now, he doesn't specify all that. Sometimes that's the hard thing about when you walk with the Lord and you're following him by faith, you're like, what good? And he's just, we're not going to talk about that right now. No, he keeps on going. Look at this. He says, "...Haven't I punished you in a time of trouble, in a time of distress with the enemy?" Now, this is what's really hard to follow. God begins to speak to Jeremiah as a member of the community of Israel. Okay? You're a representative for the people of Israel. You're a prophet. You speak, uh, you speak for me to them, and then you're suffering along with them. But he's ultimately trying to say is, what's happening to you, you don't get a pass on it just because you're my prophet. You're still a part of the nation that's receiving the judgment. Do you see this? He says, so notice this. Haven't I punished you in a time of trouble, in a time of distress with the enemy? I'm doing to the community what I told you I was going to do. You wanted a pass on that. There isn't one, Jeremiah. Keeps going. And then he helps him. Verse 12, can anyone smash iron, iron from the north, or bronze? Now he's going to use a metaphor. God's speaking to him. He says, first of all, is this. let me ask you, anybody in here can smash iron? Physically, can you do it? I can wait. I got a Superman in my No. Can you smash bronze with your bare strength? No. Now, these metaphors are meant, the iron is in reference to The Babylonian nation that's going to come in from the north and be a vessel or an instrument or a tool of God's judgment and discipline on the people of Israel and Judah. He says, so look, hey, the Babylonians are coming in from the north. They've already been set in motion. They're making their way there. Are the people of Judah going to be able to hold them off? No, you cannot smash iron from the north. You're not going to stop Nebuchadnezzar as being my tool of discipline. But then the question I want us to think about and ponder over and meditate, well, who's bronze? Who's bronze? Let's look at the next verse, verse 13. Again, he's speaking to Jeremiah as a member of the covenant community. I will give up your wealth and your treasure as plunder without cost for all of your sins and all your borders then I will make you serve your enemies in a land you do not know, for my anger will kindle a fire that will burn against you. Now, pause for just a minute. I want you to catch this so you can get what's about to happen. Jeremiah is perturbed, to say the least. His ministry has not gone as he thought it would go. He has just wished for him to die. And God just speaks right over him. He speaks to him like he speaks to every other unrepentant sinner in Israel. Now just imagine, let's let's don't be all self-righteous and think I would never do such a thing, okay? But when God treats us like he treats everybody else sometimes, we get a little upset. Well, God, I was special. You, You called me out. I'm the one standing up for what's right. Let's look and see what it says in verses 15 through 18. Listen to Jeremiah's refutation to the Lord treating him this way. He says, you know, Lord. Anybody ever told the Lord something? He had to figure something out. You know, Lord. Remember me and take note of me avenge me against my persecutors. You're about to sweep me away with everybody else. I'm not the one who's been in on this. In your patience, don't take me away. Know that I suffer disgrace for your honor. The first thing that he tells God, he says, I need you to remember something, God. Would you write this down and slap it on your refrigerator in heaven? I've been faithful to you. Why are you treating me like you're treating them? Then he goes on to the next verse. He says, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me. The joy of my heart for I bear your name, Lord God of armies. He then says this. Remember, everybody else hated everything you had to say. But when you spoke a word to me, I cherished it. I loved your word. Write that down. Put that on your note and stick it on the refrigerator. And then he goes one more time. One, the third thing he tells God to remember, he says, I never sat with the band of revelers. I did not celebrate with them because your hand was on me. Notice this. Because your hand was on me. Because you called me. Your power was in my life. I sat alone. For you filled me with indignation. He says this: when you came into my life and I saw all the wicked things that people were participating of, it made me have a righteous anger and I couldn't participate in them. He says, So the third thing you need to write on your note and you need to put it on the refrigerator is that I distanced myself from the evil that was in this world. Hello, do you remember me? What's the issue? You know what the, the gist of this prayer here is this? Look at verse 15. In your patience, don't take me away. In your patience, don't take me away. Here's what was happening is God, and He's still doing this, He'll still do this. Don't ever think this is what's so amazing. God is super patient. God will postpone the judgment of sinners. So that if there's anyone who might possibly repent and turn from their sin, he'll wait it out. And here's what Jeremiah's accusing him. Because you're so patient, you're going to get me killed. You're waiting on sinners to repent. And I'm running from them. Because they don't like me. Here's number two. Here's what happens when we misunderstand our assignment. We give out. We give out. Some of us don't give up. We don't throw our hands in the air, but we're just saying, how much longer? And here's the rub. Here's what we don't like about a sovereign God who rules over and overrules all is God doesn't live by our timetable. We say, this should have happened yesterday. And God goes, I got time. I got time, man. There was a real wrong being done and there was nothing wrong with Jeremiah saying, you need to exact judgment. In fact, the New Testament tells us to pray that God would avenge us. Listen to what it says in Romans 12, 19. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Don't take it upon yourselves to get back. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. It's not your part, Jeremiah. I'll do it on my timetable. Revelation 16, the voice of the martyrs of the tribulation. It says, they cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? And injustice has been done. They have come after your people. When are you going to do something about it? Handing judgment over to God and beginning to love our enemies is impossible apart from the example of Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I need you to get this, it is hard when everything seems to be crumbling around us and God seems to be patient with those who don't love him and we're sitting there going, when are you going to make things right in the meantime? It takes God's help to let that instance, let that circumstance or condition go and pray what Jesus prayed as he prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And at the same time, for the Holy Spirit to pour out a love in your heart to forgive and maybe even reconcile with some of your enemies, that's hard to do in the meantime while we wait on God's judgment. But that's what God's doing. He's waiting on their repentance. But what really made Jeremiah give out? Yeah, he's sitting there going, I've been faithful. I've loved your word. I've distanced myself from those evil people. I'm really getting sick and tired of waiting. Let me tell you what was the most upsetting thing to Jeremiah. Look at verse 18. Why has my pain become an ending? My wound incurable, refusing to be healed. And all this next two lines could actually be what's on your soul this morning. And don't feel bad for feeling it. It's right here in the scriptures. This is what he says to God. You, God, truly have become like a mirage to me. Water that is not reliable. What's a mirage? Think about this. You go out into the wilderness, into a desert. You are thirsty. You need water to quench your heart and your soul. Nothing will satisfy. And you see, finally, an oasis, right? And you run as hard as you can to that oasis. And as soon as you get there, what's there? Nothing. He says god that's what you've become to me unreliable waters i see all oh, things are going to get better things are finally going to turn around and then i walk over there and there's nothing there's nothing and can i encourage you with something church sometimes we get so afraid to pray those prayers and yet i think god allowed this to be in his word to say here you've got a man who's very, very close to God, so close to him, he'll let him know what's on his heart. God, you are just a mirage. I do not understand how you work. Why is this happening? Ultimately, Jeremiah thought, God, you can't be trusted. You can't be trusted to protect me, and I thought you could. And ultimately, he points his little finger at God and says, you're a big disappointment. You're a big disappointment to me. Now, God gets to reply. Look at verse 19. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Now, can you imagine being the vessel for your own message, for the word for yourself? He says, I got a revelation from God. He says, this is what the Lord says. And this is directly spoken to Jeremiah. If you return or if you repent, I'll take you back. You ready for God's answer to him being a mirage? You ready? Repent. 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 Look at what he goes on to say. He says, you will stand in my presence. And if you speak noble words rather than worthless words, you will be my spokesman. You know what God's saying to Jeremiah? You're supposed to be my worthy spokesman. And you better not say that trash again. You're going to blame me for your life when I told you up front this is the way it would be. Repent. Now let me give you a little bit of counseling on this. That's a hard healing rebuke from God. <laughs> Not the one we probably expected. You know, God was going to unveil the curtain of his mysteries and say, Jeremiah, let me tell you what I'm all I'm working on. Nope, Jeremiah just received a rebuke. And some of us go, well, if we're going to be honest with God and God's just going to be that kind of honest back, I don't want to be honest with him. Fair enough. But here's what I want you to know. There is no healing without repentance. And there is no repentance without honesty. Please catch that. There is no healing without repentance. And there is no repentance without honesty. So here's the point. You want the healing? You're going to have to get honest and be ready. Repentance can get a little rocky. Repentance is hard. It's difficult. Look at what verse 19, C, the end says. It is they who must return to you, you must not return to him. Here's what God knew deep in his soul that he hadn't let us know yet. Jeremiah was not just on the brink of giving up. He was not just on the brink of giving out. He was ready to give in. The third thing that happens when we misunderstand our assignment is we give in. We get ready to compromise. He's saying this, I'm tired of being spoken about and cursed about. He says, you know what? I think I'm just going to start telling them what they want to hear. He had been brought to the edge of the prophetic ministry and said, I'm tired of speaking your words. I'm tired of the contempt that they have for me. I'm going to give them, I'm going to write one message that they're just going to applaud. And they're going to be satisfied and they're going to say, that's our prophet. And notice what God tells him. It is they who must return to you. You must not turn to them. How that shows up in our world today. We have a world that wants Jesus of Nazareth, but not Jesus the Son of God. They like the historical Jesus that performs no miracles, that dies on a cross but not for your sins, that somehow has just gotten away from an empty tomb. They want God's unconditional love without His uncompromising truth. They want us to say that homosexual lifestyles, abortion, adultery, sex outside out of marriage is permissible they're not the only sins they're not the unforgivable sins but i need you to know this god's word still is the same it's sin and the question before the church today is one question hey are you going to turn to them or are you going to stand your ground and one day hopefully what they turn to you that's the question I love what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, he says, It is better to bear thy cross and march heavenward with the blessed burden than to be smothered in flowery pleasures and to be led down to hell. That's our alternative. We can return to them and receive their praise. We can give in or we can stand our ground and with gentleness and respect preach the full word. And come what may. Look at these last verses. What happens, ladies and gentlemen, when we make this decision to not give up, to not give out and not give in, but be God's spokesperson, to actually carry out the tough and difficult assignment that he's given. He says, verse 20, then I will make you a fortified wall of what? bronze anybody remember that he said look the people of israel they cannot stand against iron from the north and that was who the babylonians he says, but jeremiah there's one other person they can't stand against either the man with my word he says you're bronze jeremiah you forget that Come back to me. You're bronze. You'll stand up against it. I know it's tough, but notice what happens. Here's why he's bronze. He says, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to save you and rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will rescue you from the grasp or the power of evil people and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. God, in return, when we make this decision, He will make us a wall of bronze. That means that no matter what people do, they can rage against us. They can attack us. They can ignore us. They can insult us. They can injure us. But it will never be to any avail because God is with us and His Word never fails. So what? What's that mean for you this morning? Here, and you can write this down. You may misunderstand your assignment. It's possible to misunderstand it. It's possible to come to bad conclusions about God. Jeremiah did. You're a mirage. And God goes, no, I'm not. Repent. (laughs) We can have false expectations about our life. I thought when I got saved, I'd be perfect, and I'd never have a trouble in my life. See, you can have all those wrong understandings of your assignment, but here's what you can't get wrong, but not his assurance. You can never mistake his assurance. He is with you through the muck and the mire. He will fortify you from the inside. You'll be a wall of bronze. A Sunday school teacher Caroline Mahedron said, Today was an Easter Sunday school at the church. And we asked the children, How many of you are willing to die for Christ? And all those little kids raised their hands. Minutes later, they came down to the main service, and the blast happened. And half the children of that class died on the spot just minutes after expressing their willingness to die for Christ half the children from one Sunday school class at Zion Church were reportedly killed Easter Sunday in the suicide bomb attacks in Sri Lanka and it made me think of the apostle Paul as he awaited his execution he yet wrote to young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 4:18 listen to this He knows he's going to be executed for his faith. He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Do You understand you can kill Christians and you may stop them. Because of Jesus' death for our sins and the resurrection, because of his forgiveness and the gift of eternal life, You can't kill us. We've been rescued, redeemed, and delivered. Sometimes the work that God has called us to do will not go as we think. You may misunderstand your assignment, but don't ever misunderstand his assurance. Jesus put it this way in John 16, 33. I have told you these things, i told you them up front, so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.